Hello, and welcome to the River of Life podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Open your Bibles to the book of 1 John. Um, As you know, we're in a study through the book of 1 John entitled The Last Apostle. And our text this morning will be 1 John 2, 24 through 29. 1 John 2, 24 through 29. And while you're turning, have you noticed that we're growing The church is growing. People are coming. Attendance is up. Uh, I want you to know this past Monday, we ordered 50 more chairs to put in the worship center here. And so, so tell all your friends we have room for them. And, uh, And more importantly than that, God has room for them. And he loves them. And so uh, these are exciting days to be serving our Lord Jesus Christ. Hope you have your Bibles open now to 1 John chapter 2. We'll begin reading in verse 24. And as I read the text today, I, I want you to pay special attention to one word, and that's the word abide. And notice what the scripture is telling us about abiding. Let's begin In verse 24, therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him, At his coming, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Now, the word abide that we read, I think, six times is a very simple word in English and in Greek. It means to remain. It means to continue. It, it means to stand. Uh, probably the simplest way to describe what the word abide means, it means to stay put. To abide means to stay put in a place or in a conviction. If I were to tell you this morning that I will abide by the rules, and what I'm telling you is this, <laughs> I'll stay with the rules. 
I won't try to change the rules. Uh, I will live by the rules. I'll stay put. I'll stay with the rules. Now, John uses this word over and over in the text. And the reason he does is because John wants this church to be encouraged to stay put, to stay where they are, to stay with what they have. He wants them to stay with what they started with. Uh, that, that's what he says here. Stay with what the, uh, you started with. I, I want you to know, let, in fact, let's just go back and read those first two verses one more time. He says, therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about the message of salvation. He's talking about what they heard when they first heard about the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's talking to them about staying and abiding in what they heard from the very beginning. When you first heard the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you first gave your heart to Him, when you first started out in your faith, when you were baptized, when you were just beginning, He says, abide there. And He says, stay there. And, and, and He says, stay put. Now, we won't reach all of this today, but... If you put all six of these verses together, what John is saying with them is stay where you started. Stay with the truth you started with. And then he's going to go on. It'll be next week before we deal with this. But he's going to say, stay with the anointing. And then he's going to say to them, stay with Christ himself. Uh, Those three things, the truth, the anointing, and with Christ himself. Obviously, those are overlapping and interlocking. If you have the truth, you have Christ. And if you have Christ, you have the truth. And if you have the truth and you have Christ, then you have the anointing. They're they're all part of the same thing. But nonetheless, John singles them out. And in this text, he says, stay with the truth that you heard from the beginning. Stay with the anointing. Stay with Christ himself. And then I'll tell you something. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to go home and really pour over this passage of Scripture. He says, there is a connected truth. There's a connected blessing to the truth. Here it is. He says, if if you stay with what you started with, here's the connected blessing, and that is you're staying with the one who promised you eternal life. And then then he says, if you stay with the anointed, here's the connected truth with the anointing. If you stay with the anointing, no one will ever be able to deceive you. And if you stay with Christ, you'll have confidence. And you won't be ashamed at his coming. Now, it's just the first one that we will look at. And that's where he says, abide in that which you started with. Stay with what you started with. You started out with the truth. Now stay with the truth. Stay all the way with the truth. And then he says in that next part, this is what he says. He says, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Now, I love this. This is just good old basic Bible study. He says, if you stay with the truth that you started with, here's the blessing. You will also be staying with the Son and with the Father. You'll be with them. 
You, you see, if you hold on to the truth, you'll walk with God. If you, if you stay with what you started with, no one will ever be able to separate you from Christ. Abiding. That's how important it is. And that's what he's telling them to do right there. And then notice the last thing he says. I think it's in that second verse we read. And this is the promise that he has promised us. Eternal life. Man, that's the connected blessing. Do you see it? I want you to see the whole picture. Stay with what you heard from the beginning. Stay with the truth. Don't deviate from that truth. And if you'll stay with the truth, then you'll have Christ. And when you have Christ, you have the promise that Christ gave. And that's eternal life. Oh, that's, it just makes sense. If you find the one who can give you eternal life, why would you go anywhere else? Why would you leave his side? One of my favorite stories comes out of a book that Billy Graham wrote about uh, a group of four or five soldiers that got uh, trapped behind enemy lines um, in North Korea during the Korean War. And they thought they were going to die. He tells the whole story. It's a beautiful story. It's in the book, Angels, 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 uh, God's Secret Agents. And Billy Graham wrote the book, but he said these guys huddled up. The enemy was all around them. And they got out a little Bible that the military used to issue in those days. Oh, God help us to go back to the time when we pass Bibles out in the military and pass Bibles out in the schools and we're unapologetically a nation that stands on the principles of God. I hope and pray that day will come. Well, they had a little Bible. They opened that Bible and they huddled up in a little circle. And when they huddled up in that circle, they took that Bible out and they began to read that Bible and they began to pray and cry out to the Lord and ask for salvation. And and then through that whole process, they said a huge man, bigger than any man they'd ever seen uh, in North Korea or South Korea, they said a huge man came walking into camp. And they said it scared them because they thought it was the enemy and they thought they were done, they thought they were dying. And this man walked in and he said, get up, I'm going to lead you to safety. And they said, what? He said, I came to get you. I'm going to lead you to safety. Get up, stay with me, and I will take you all the way back to your home base. They jumped up. They gathered all their stuff, and they started out. And they said they went down pig trails, and they'd go this way and then that way. And they said sometimes they could hear the enemy on the left, and sometimes they could hear the enemy on the right, and sometimes they heard them behind them, and sometimes in front of them. And the guy kept saying, don't worry, just follow me, stay with me. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you think anything could have diverted those guys? Man, you're talking shoulder to shoulder right behind him, all around him. Man, they were staying close. And this man led them all the way back to their home base. And when they got to home base, they were shouting and jumping and praising God. And and the soldiers gathered around and said, we thought y'all were dead. And they said, we thought we were dead. And And how did you get back? And they said, well, this man right here. And they turned around and he was gone. They said, there was a man, you didn't see him when we came into camp. They said, nobody came into this camp but you. We were watching you when you came in. They said, no, he was leading us into camp. Now friends, by the way, I believe that's an angel. Billy Graham said he believed it was an angel and those soldiers said they didn't care what you believed. (laughs) They thought it was an angel. (laughs) But that's a picture of salvation, friends. When you're behind enemy lines, when you're in trouble... 
When there's trials and tribulations and difficulty and hardship and death and dying all around you and you meet the one who says, follow me and I'll give you eternal life. Oh, you stay as close as you can. You abide there. You walk there. You stay there. You don't move. You stay right in that place until He gets you safely all the way home. Wow. Wow. I, I tell you, this thing about abiding is important. Man, it, it is important. John talks about, if you read all the writings of John, he really hits on this word a lot. I, I wish I had time to go through all of this, but I do not, uh, to take you to each one of these verses. But, but just listen up. John 8.31 says, if we abide in His Word, we are His disciples. John 15.5 says, if we abide in Christ, we will bear much fruit. John 15.7 says, if we abide in Christ, our prayers will be answered. John 15.10 says, if we abide in His commandments, we will abide in, in His love. 1 John 3.6 says, if we abide in Him, we will stop living in sin. 1 John 4.13 says, if we abide in Christ, we will receive the Holy Spirit. And 2 John 1.9 says, if we don't abide in Christ, we do not know God. You don't think abiding is important? Man, this is important. It's a big deal to abide. It's a big deal to find the right one, the truth, and to abide there and to stay there with all of your heart. Are you a child of God? Did someone tell you the truth? Did you believe it with all of your heart? Did you act upon that truth? Did Jesus Christ come into your life and give you a new heart? If He did, friends, then stay with what you started with for the rest of your life. <laughs> Don't ever leave it. Better yet, stay with what you started with for the rest of eternity because what you started with is the one who promises eternal life. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time this morning sharing with you why we should stay as Christians with what we started with. And this is what John wants them to understand and comprehend. He wanted them to stay with what they started with in the beginning. He wanted them to understand that they were no longer seekers. They were not seekers anymore. They were abiders. <laughs> not seeking but abiding. You see, their journey of seeking ended when they found the Lord Jesus Christ. It ended right there. No more seeking, just simply abiding. Abide in that which you heard from the beginning. You heard the truth. You experienced the truth. Now stay right there and stay with the truth. Friends, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've met Him, you are not a seeker. Don't ever let anybody convince you to start seeking again. You're not a searcher. You're not. I, I love sometimes when I'm talking with people who want to debate, uh, uh, and I have time, I love to do this. I love to say, hey, man, I, that's okay. Don't worry, I'm not a seeker. What do you mean you're not a seeker? Don't you want to know the truth? No, you don't understand. I'm not a seeker. I found what I'm looking for. I found the truth. I'm not looking for hope. I'm not looking for help. 
I'm not looking for deliverance. I'm not looking for peace. I'm not looking for answers. I found it all when I found Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My search is over. Now hold on. I'm not a seeker. But what I am is a learner. You see, I want to learn more and more and more and more about what I've found. And I want what I've found to change me more and more and more. My seeking days ended a long time ago, but I want you to know I'll be learning and growing in grace for the rest of my life. But I'm not searching anymore. (laughs) I'm abiding. I'm staying put with what God has given me. Let me tell you something. A long time ago, I got on my knees at a little church in this county and I gave my heart to Jesus. I was 17 years old and I cried out to the Lord and I'm going to tell you, friends, He saved my soul and He changed my life. Go on seeking? That would be absolutely insane. One of my... One of my favorite black preachers of the past used to say it this way, I found the pearl from paradise. I found the gem from the glory land. I found the lily of the valley. I found the bright and morning star. I found the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Go on searching? Why, that doesn't make sense. Not when you found it. By the way, Do you ever keep searching for something after you found it? No. Doesn't make sense. What if you lost your wallet? And you search all over the house for it. And you're just frantic. And you're hoping and praying you find it. And then you lift the cushion in your favorite chair, and there's your wallet. And you grab it in one hand. You hold it in one hand. But rather than rejoice... And get excited, you think, I better keep searching for my wallet. (laughs) And then your wife comes in and she says, what are you searching for? Well, I'm searching for my wallet. Well, it's in your hand. Well, why are you searching for your wallet? I just feel like I need to keep searching for my wallet. Now, friends, if you keep searching for something after you found it, you need some help. (laughs) You need some psychiatric counseling. You, you, you're, you're in serious trouble. I want you to know one of the reasons that John wrote this because he was saying to the saints of God, the children of God, he was saying to them, don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let anybody move you from the truth. What you heard from the beginning is the truth. Now stay there, abide there for the rest of your life. That's what John was telling them. Man, we are not seekers anymore. Uh, This says almost the same thing. Look at Hebrews 13, 8 and 9. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You've seen that many times, haven't you? Well, We'll read the next few words. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Listen, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and you've found Jesus, then don't let anything else carry you away. Don't let anything else catch your attention. The Bible is saying He's the answer, and you stay with Him all the way. 
Jesus Christ does not change. So you don't have to go chasing after something new. When you find the truth, you don't ever leave it, and you never try to change it. Listen to me. Not one iota, not one drop, not one speck. You find the truth, and you set up camp, and you stay there, and you don't ever change it. Now, here's where a lot of people get confused, so I want to give you clarification. I'm talking about the truth. I'm talking about the message. I'm not talking about the method. I got to church this morning. Let me tell you, I drove to church this morning in a black Chevy Silverado pickup truck that has 102,000 miles on it. And I love that truck. But that's not how preachers used to do it. This is how preachers used to do it. Look at this. I want you to see something. How would you like to see your pastor in a hat like that? That, That's how preachers used to do it. In the early days in America, they were called circuit-riding preachers. They got on their horses, and they went from village to village and from church to church. And they rode their horses. They put their suits on and their top hats on. And they got... I had air conditioning this morning in my truck. I love change. As long as we're not messing around with the truth. You understand where I'm coming from? You see, they went to church on horses, but I don't go to church on horses. Thank goodness. I did read something neat about them, though. Did you know that these horses were so well-trained and these preachers made this circuit so many times that when they would get on their horses and they would go from one town to the next, sometimes an hour, hour and a half, maybe two-hour ride, they'd get on the horse and the horse was so programmed they could turn loose of the reins and the horse would just automatically go to the town. So they'd get their Bibles out and they'd get their notes out and for an hour and a half they'd ride the horse and they'd read the Bible and, and the horse. I was thinking, they could text and drive, couldn't they? Forgive me. I'll ask the Lord to forgive me later. Um, But, I mean, that was pretty neat. But what I'm trying to tell you is that the method changes. You see, friends, a long time ago, we used to put sermons on cassette tapes, uh, uh, cassette tapes, and we'd pass them out. Do you know why we did that? Because everybody had cassette players. And then everybody got CD players, so we started putting it on CDs. And you can pick up a CD in the lobby today when you leave here, free of charge. We just give those things out because we're trying to get the gospel out. And then we learned that you could put it on the Internet. And now we have our sermons on the Internet. And if you go to our website, you can go to podcasting. And the message you're hearing this morning, tomorrow you can listen to it on the Internet. And every now and then, somebody will call me from halfway around the United States and say, I heard one of your messages and it blessed my heart. And I just want to thank you. I want to tell you, I didn't have to get on a horse and go to Montana to deliver that message. Because the method has changed. The method has changed. But I stand before you today to tell you that what those circuit-riding preachers stood in the pulpit concerning the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and what I stand in the pulpit today and preach concerning the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ 
does not change. If it ever was true, it still is true and it always will be true. And we better learn not to mess with the truth. God does not change. Truth does not change. You see, friends, the world wants us to believe that truth is always changing. They, they want us to believe that it's always in flux. The world wants us to believe there are no absolutes. They want situational ethics to rule the day. The world wants us to believe that truth is evolving. But it's not. <laughs> it's the same as it's always been. You see, according to the Bible, truth is unchanging and God is unchanging. And it is an unchanging God that changes us. Now, I do understand that perception changes. And sometimes when we realize that we've been deceived or sometimes when we realize that we were just flat wrong, we need to change. But I I can tell you, friends, that truth itself does not change. I read this out of a ministry magazine this past week. Listen to this. Out of a ministry magazine, truth is, ever cha- truth is an ever-changing prog- uh, and progressive, never static or absolute. In fact, what we consider to be truth today may be proved a lie tomorrow. Truth is progressive? Goodness. That's not what the Bible teaches. God is not progressive. He is an unchanging God. He changes not. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, God never changes his mind when he gives gifts or when he calls someone. Do you know that? God doesn't change his mind. I've got news for you. When you were 13 or 14 years old, if God put a call on your life, I don't care how old you are today, and I don't care how many times you've tried to ignore it, God hasn't changed His mind. And I don't mean to frustrate you today, but God does not have a plan B for your life because you didn't like plan A. He doesn't change His mind. God gives you a gift, He wants you to use it for His glory. If God gives you a calling, He wants you to walk that calling out. And it does not change His mind. Here's my favorite one. You'll relate to this. This is Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. You know what God was saying through the prophet Malachi? He's saying, I don't change. And God was saying to the nation of Israel, and you better be glad I don't change. Because if I was given to change, I'd have consumed you a long time ago. I'd have burned you up a long time ago. God says, you you better be... Aren't you glad? Come on. Come on. Aren't you glad that God doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed? That God doesn't wake up in a bad mood? That He doesn't wake up one morning and He's temperamental? Now, I don't, don't come up to me and straighten 
my theology out and say, oh, pastor, don't you know God doesn't sleep? I know God doesn't sleep. I'm just trying to get your attention here. What if, what if God were tempera- temperamental and moody? What if you never knew what to expect? Some years ago, there was a man in this church. <clears throat> I think I'm backing up about five years now, five, six years ago. There's a man in this church. Man, he loved me. He would hug me. He'd speak words of encouragement in my ear and tell me how great I was. How much he loved me and what great things God was going to do. And man, I just enjoyed every bit of it. And then one day he got mad with me. He got angry with me. And he started calling me a false prophet. I wanted to tell him I'm no prophet. I'm I'm just a proclaimer of God's Word. He got mad with me and then he left the church. And then it wasn't long after he left the church, he left a message on the church answering machine. And in that message, it was a death threat. He said, you're going to die. And you're going to die very soon. And, and just, I don't remember everything he said, but it was unnerving to listen to it. The whole staff heard it. So we call the sheriff's department. They come and listen to it. <clears throat> we, we don't really know what to do. But, uh, so they said, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. What should I do? And they said, well, you probably ought to make sure you got security at the church. So we did. I think we already had security, but we, so we had the sheriff's department to print out a picture of him and we gave it to our ushers and our security out front. And we said, man, if you see this guy come in, be on high alert. Well, about six months after that, guess what? He comes walking through the door. One of our, uh, one member of our security team picked him up, recognized him, stayed with him since somebody had asked me, what do we do with him? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And, and, and so he didn't know this, but he came into the worship center and a, a member of our security team stayed right with him, was in arms reach of him the whole time he was here. And then he got up and came to the altar. Security got up and came to the altar with him. You didn't know that, but I did, and I was glad. So I, w- I was thinking, now what would a godly preacher do in a case like this? So I thought, well, I'll just go pray with him. So I came, went down, I got on my knees by him, and, and as I was working my way in with somebody standing right behind him, I got on my knees and I put my hand on his back and I started to pray with him. And I'll tell you what I was thinking. I was thinking, I sure hope you don't put your hands in your pocket. Because <laughs> if you put your hand in your pocket, I'm running and they're going to take you down right here at this altar. So help me, that's what I was thinking. And so I, I put my hand on his back and I'm, um, I'm praying. I, I started to pray and he interrupts me and he looks over at me and says, Pastor. I said, yes. He said, is everything good between us? I said, man, as far as I'm concerned, they're good between us. <laughs> I said, as far as I'm concerned... He said, well, good. He said, I want things to be good between us. 
I said, then things are good between us. He prays. He leaves. He left that day. He's never been back in church since then. But can I tell you that if I were to run into him at Walmart this afternoon, I'd have a real big question mark. Is this the guy who loves me? Or is this the guy who wants to kill me? Is this my friend? Or is this my enemy? Here's what I want you to understand, friends. That's a question you don't have to have when it comes to God. Because He changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He does not change His mind. He is the immutable God of the universe. And we don't have to worry about Him waking up in a bad mood. I want to tell you this this morning. Please remember this. The Bible is clear. God does not change His mind. I just read it to you. He said He's not a human that He should change His mind. God does not change His mind. He does not change His will. And He does not change His nature. He's the same. Now, you may be asking this question. Well, Pastor, if God doesn't change His mind, He doesn't change His will, and He doesn't change His nature, why should I even pray? Listen up now. I'm going to tell you why you should pray. Here's the answer. Don't ever forget it. You should pray because God does not change His mind. Hold on. You see, friends, God wants you to repent of your sins and He will not change His mind. God wants to cleanse you and forgive you and give you a new heart and He will not change His mind. God wants to welcome you into His kingdom and make you a part of His royal family and He will not change His mind. God wants you to forgive those who have hurt you and He will not change His mind. God wants to help you and bless you and fellowship with you and He will not change His mind. God wants you to live a life that's so full of the Spirit of God that when other people see you, they glorify God. And they say the only way somebody could live like that is that there is a God. God wants you to live that way and He will not change His mind. So friends, you understand that the reason you should pray is because God will not change His mind. Not at all. Prayer is your opportunity to say, God, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm ready to change my mind. I'm ready to take you up on your unchanging offer to change my life. I'm ready to ask you to do things that are already in your heart, like saving and healing and restoring and revival. And I'm calling on your unchanging nature to bring about many changes in my life, my family, my church, and my nation. You see, friends, the reason we should pray, the reason we can pray, the reason prayer is effective is because God does not change and because He's made an amazing offer to us. Now, I don't have time to go in this, but we have to be true to the Bible. There's another part of His unchanging nature, and that is that if we do not humble ourselves and we do not repent and we do not do what He requires us to do, that God will not receive us. See, that's what we have to do. Well, friends, here's what I want to say to you today. 
once you have found the unchanging God and put your faith in him, you never have to change your faith because he never changes. If you're here today and you found the truth a long time ago but you departed from it, it's time to go back and abide there. It's time to stay there. It's time to renew your faith, rededicate your life. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then friends, I want to tell you, (laughs) it's time to call upon his name. It's time to repent of your sins. It's time to take God up on his offer. He loves you. And he wants to change your life. And by the way, for every child of God, you know you're saved. You're not perfect. You make mistakes, but you know you're saved. You know he lives in your heart. Now, here's what I want to say to you. Stay with what you started with. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you again for listening to River of Life Podcast. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email at info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for more information and directions.